Welcome to the Hidden White Podcast, episode 1096. This is my conversation with Dr. David Rossmarin, and we're discussing his new book, Thriving with Anxiety. Enjoy. David, welcome to the Hidden White Podcast. Great to have you here today. Thanks so much for having me. Glad to be here. Looking forward to this conversation, David. Um, we're going to discuss your book today, new book um, called Thriving with Anxiety, Nine Tools to Make Your Anxiety Work for You. Very important conversation, something that I can relate to and I'm sure many of our listeners can relate to as well. Um, but before we jump into the contents of the book, David, tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do and um, what's your passion? Sure. So uh, I am at uh, the Harvard Medical School and also McLean Hospital, which is a psychiatric hospital here in eastern Massachusetts, where I live. And I'm also the founder of Center for Anxiety, which has offices in Massachusetts and in Boston and in uh, New York, rather, um, yeah. which helps about 1,000 patients a year struggling with anxiety and uh, now the author of this new book. So that's pretty much the summary. <laughs> Congratulations. And what prompted you to write the book? Yeah. During the pandemic, I realized that as an academician and as a clinician, there's only so many people that you know I'm going to be able to help in terms of understanding anxiety, in terms of researching it, in terms of uh, treating people. Um, and uh, public education, there's, there's so many things that people are just missing when it comes to managing anxiety, when it comes to understanding anxiety, and putting those into a book for format and getting that in the hands of, you know, hopefully hundreds of thousands is a, it's a different uh, way of going about dealing with the mental health crisis and something that uh, when an opportunity came, I, I took it. Yeah. Nice. Have you, um, I mean, you've done this for, for many years, um, this field of work. Yeah. About two decades of working two decades, on okay. uh, anxiety and, you know, uh, anxiety in many different forms, um, both clinically as a researcher, uh, writing about it. Uh, but this is the first time I'm really going into the, you know, uh, public space to be able to have these conversations. And I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Yeah, awesome. Uh, to do that. So more um, uh, peer-reviewed journal articles, things like that, nature, yeah, you know, generally. The geek, the geek squad, the definitely. Geek squad. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I realized, you know, I, I mean... My my research gets cited, and I'm I'm you know have definitely you know those accomplishments. But at the end of the day, how many people are going to read or like look up look me up in Google Scholar and, and look at what I'm doing? Um, I, I think it's just a different game when you're having you know these conversations and and trying to get the material into into the hands of uh, of the masses. So absolutely, I think um, when you you know academia and and getting it out to, to the public field is very important nowadays because otherwise your material is just sitting there and you know, only useful for those people that acknowledge that they've got anxiety perhaps and going to someone like yourself um, to, to receive help. But there's a lot more people out there that probably maybe acknowledge at some level they have anxiety um, but aren't at that level where they need to go and, you know, get professional yep. help. Um, so books like this certainly have a place. And um, just a question on writing, I suppose, you know, from writing academic articles to writing this book, how did you find that process and all yep, the challenges? Tough. Yeah, it was very very anxiety provoking, actually. Was it? Okay. One of the most yeah, one of the most anxiety provoking things I've done in a long time, and I really had to eat right. my words. You know, a lot of making your anxiety work for you means that you have to experience it, and you have to face it and move past it in some way. And I definitely had to do that. I mean, uh, you know, I've been, I'm getting better at it because I've you know I've been on a number of podcasts and you know TV and different different uh, avenues at this point, but uh, it it was tough um, trying to. You know, going through the editorial process, not um, 
sort of not showing your academic prowess, rather really speaking language that people actually understand on the ground. Yeah, it's very different, and it's great. It's something that I'm really glad I went through. That was it was not easy. Got to be a challenge. So, have you you, you decided to write another book now already? Off the back of this one. (laughs) Uh, Now you're making me anxious. I would like to do something more focused on teens and more, more focused on young adults and maybe yeah, thriving with anxiety cool. for teens. Yeah, that's probably where it's going to go. But but I want to bask in this one for a little bit longer and, and, uh, and also let it percolate. You know, it's a process. It, it, yeah. it does take time to sort of settle into. And I am uh, have a newfound appreciation for the authors who've done it before me. Yeah, cool. Um, so tell me, anxiety. What is anxiety? How do we how do we define anxiety? Because and I suppose there's different levels or different categories potentially. Yeah, all of the above. But to understand anxiety, you need to understand fear. Right. But what's fear? Fear is a healthy process that everybody is uh, programmed with to keep you safe when there is a real threat. Yeah. So if you're walking in the street and uh, you all of a sudden see a car speeding towards you and you have this panic response, it'll help you to hopefully flee from the car. Um, And if you're in a situation where someone's being aggressive, you might have a fight response where you're maybe fighting off that attacker or whatever it is. So we call this the fight or flight response. And it's a very healthy, adaptive, positive thing. That's good Um, for you. Very good for you. Good. Fear is is good. Fear is supposed to keep you safe. Um, Anxiety is the same circuitry, same brain circuitry. It's the same physiology. It's the same symptoms, so the same things happen. Your heart starts to race. Your breathing starts to get more labored. Your muscles starts to tense up. Your pupils dilate in order to expand your field of vision. All of these things happen, but there's one small difference. Well, it's actually a large difference, which is that the threat is not present. It's not a real, current, present threat. Right. I read a quote about this the other day, and I I, I couldn't repeat it because I'll I'll mess it up, but it talked about... um, how worry or anxiety is, is, and I don't know how those two interrelate, but you can probably explain that, but how it is a perception of the future or, or past that's not current or not real right now. And that's the Correct. difference between um, the healthy fear and, and the, the unhealthy fear. Well, I don't know if I would say that the that fear is, oh, did you break up? No, no, I'm there, yep. Hi, you're back. Mm-hmm. Okay, got, got some connection issues. Do we? Um, yeah. <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. So, uh, I, I, yes, worry is a fear of the future, and it's not focused on current threat. But I don't know if that means that it's not healthy. No. And that's really where I would differ from a lot of a lot of other individuals on this subject. Oh. Anxiety isn't unhealthy. It actually is, if anything, it's a sign that your neural system is working. And there are many ways to use anxiety in a positive way in your life in order to become more resilient, to become more connected to other people, and uh, even to achieve your goals and dreams. So I don't necessarily think anxiety is a bad thing or unhealthy. Mm -hmm. In Mm -hmm. fact, I think one of the reasons we have an anxiety epidemic today is because we believe it, that it's unhealthy. And as a result, the minute we start to feel anxious, well, we start to panic about the fact that we're anxious, which yeah. makes our anxiety substantially worse. And then we get even more panicked. And then we have this cascade of interpreting our anxiety as a problem and then the anxiety increasing. And that actually, I think, is one of the major reasons why people are so anxious today. So is anxiety a, a product of fear, like an underlying fear? Kind of. Both- it, 
anxiety would be a false alarm and wow. fear would be a real alarm. But there's a third option, which is not having an alarm at all. And that's the most dangerous. Right. That is the most dangerous. Okay. Well, there's, right? there's people like that out there, right? They have no fear. Uh, and no yeah. Unfor probably. Unfortunately, there are, and they, they often don't survive long or they get themselves into really dangerous situations. Um, mm. And furthermore, when people are anxious, they're often, they're often have greater intelligence. They're often more in tune with other people. Many extremely successful people have substantial copious amounts of anxiety um, and, uh, and use that in order to stay ahead of potential threats. The threat isn't real. It's not here. It's not right now. But they're thinking three, four steps ahead, and they're actually able to use that in order to motivate them and move forward in ways that other people who aren't as anxious don't get to do. Hmm. So the question is kind of what you said before, that which level becomes more problematic and which ones don't, right? That's one way to think about it. High, well, what's very healthy, high healthy anxiety then, I suppose, you know? Right. Um, I mean, you talk about fear and that's, you know, the um, saber-toothed tiger analogy where you, you know, confront yeah. a situation which is uh, threatening to your survival, yeah? Um, yeah. And that, that's a good um, sign that you need to, um, I guess, listen to that fear um, so you can help your survival. But anxiety, you're sort of saying, is... Um, not so immediate about your survival, but more about your lifestyle and could or could not be detrimental to your survival? Well, no, it's anxiety is when you're feeling the same symptoms as fear, but there's no real threat in front of you. No real threat. Um, That's what I want to, however, yeah. what makes anxiety positive or negative, I would say, isn't whether you have it. It's what you do with it when it occurs. Okay. So a lot of people say like when you have anxiety, try and cure it or prevent it by, you know, I don't know, meditation, deep breathing. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't realize I had anxiety, right? And um, I just never thought about it. And I had problems with breathing for a period of my life and went to the doctors and they checked me and said, you're all good. It might just be anxiety. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit, really? I said, I don't have anxiety. No way. Um, but, yes, that's what they, they boiled it down to. Um Anyway, I don't know if I had coping tools still, I just moved forward with life and, and dealt with it, I suppose. Recently, I went on a, a trip and got on a plane and I had an anxiety attack. And okay. I was like, yeah. holy shit, you know, and I was just like, this is weird. I don't know what's what's going on. Um, I analysed it afterwards and, and can reflect on that if people wish. But um, really, it was it was quite, quite traumatising. I didn't know what to do about it. Luckily, there was someone next to me. I talked to her and sure enough, she was an elder lady, but she went through anxiety in life and... And she just started talking to me, which distracted me from the, the panic at the time, um, which I had no idea what was producing my anxiety at the time. I mean, right. anxiety can come on in that way at any any time. That's true. Have you gone back and thought about and realized what was triggering you at the time? Because everyone has their own triggers. But have you gone back and sort of thought about that and done a bit of a, you know, reconnaissance in your own mind? Yeah, yeah. I, I probably haven't analyzed it um, you know, to the level that we're talking about it now, but I, I did look back at it and said, well, I, I actually had a really busy week uh, with work, had a real busy morning, and then I had to get a flight, mm -hmm. um, and I was leaving my my children behind, um, which I haven't done for a long time, the young kids, and uh, jumping on yeah. a flight ready to go overseas to America, actually, which was my first time there. Um, so my anxiety probably produced by um, such a busy schedule, um, no time to process what I was actually moving towards, and and making myself comfortable towards that, and suddenly it was all upon me. 
Um, now, I don't know if that was producing the anxiety, but something around that would have been for sure. I mean, it sounds like three or four different. Sounds like three or four different factors were, you know, were really making it tough for you on that time. Mm. Uh, were you also stressed out? Were you stressed out about the trip coming up to the United States? Like, was it going to be a stressful trip and you had a lot to do? Um, I don't know if I was stressed. I, I had um, I received a good award, so that meant I had to get up and, and present on stage. So that was probably in the back of my mind. Uh, okay, that some could stress. be stressful. Sure. Um, but wasn't thinking about that. It was it was probably more the work. Like there was a lot in my work on that particular day uh, with pending deals. You know, um, that probably caused me a lot of stress. And I guess for me who works, you know, a lot, and then having that time where you can't dedicate yourself to helping others and, and working. Um, you feel like you know you're not going to be able to serve. Ah, so, I see what happened. So you know when you I mean? were sitting on the plane and didn't have anything to do, all of a sudden your thoughts yeah. caught up with you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. you couldn't keep uh, when you're working, you don't think about them as much. That's right. Yeah, and I'm like that all the time. Well, that tells you something about yourself. that. Tell that tells you something about yourself. I, I mm. think that 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 definitely shows. You know, this is where anxiety could potentially be a huge benefit because. It sounds like, you know, there's definitely um, would be value to you to taking the time throughout the week to figure out what's stressing you out and what's what's uh, what's um, what's on your mind to take a mental inventory, if you will, of mm. your emotions, of your of your thoughts, of your feelings, um, maybe even to talk to someone about it. And, uh, you know, often, you know, people do this. I've seen it all the time where the more stressed out we are, people take on more work. Right, because it's sort of easier. I do it too. I used to do it all the time, and uh, it's easier to just drown it out, to drown out those uncomfortable feelings with, you know, an extra ten hours of work a week than it is to spend the one hour of really taking a mental inventory and becoming more aware of oneself. And if we heed the cue of anxiety, though, it can actually make us a lot more self-aware and even self-compassionate. Um, yeah. and more in tune with our feelings. So uh, that's that's one of the benefits, yeah. potentially, yeah. in this way. So looking at, I mean, you know, not trying to to fight your anxiety or cure it, you're suggesting that we need to work with it and use it as a strength. What do you mean by that? Yeah. I am done trying to cure or get rid of anxiety. Let me make right. that abundantly Okay, because you've been doing this for a couple of decades now, right? Yeah, I mean, it's and I definitely have my, you know, my toolkit of uh, anti-anxiety strategies. You know, we are living in such an anxious age. I just don't think it's the right approach. I don't think it's the right messaging. I think that when people try to get rid of their anxiety, even if they're using good skills, they end up sometimes making it worse because they expect to feel good. And then all of a sudden they don't feel good. And then they're disappointed. And then they think of themselves as a failure you know, as opposed to recognizing, like, we are all feeling anxious. You know, I definitely have a great deal of anxiety um, on a semi-regular basis. And the question is, what do you do? What do we do when we have that? We need to change our relationship with this emotion, understand that it is part of humanity. It is part of just who we are, and then figure out how to parlay that into positive opportunities for us, such as greater self-awareness, greater self-compassion, like we were speaking about beforehand. But there's definitely more. What I mean, you say that we're, there's more anxiety now than ever before. I mean, is that what you said? And why that, do you think what, what's what's causing that? I mean, why? I'll tell you. As uh, my, yeah, I, I think the number one thing causing it is that we have the expectation today that you're never supposed to feel anxious. Yeah. We actually label it as a mental disorder 
or a medical problem when people feel anxious, as opposed to understanding that, well, when you're super stressed and you're leaving your family and you're going to give a speech in front of 500 people and you're going to a new country the first time, like you're going to have some symptoms. That's your, you know, your fear circuits are going to fire. That doesn't mean that something's wrong with you. It doesn't mean you have to take mental inventory. It doesn't mean you, it does mean that you should become more self-aware. It does mean that you should, you know, maybe prophylactically in the future become more uh, in tune with your feelings and be able to manage them. But it, it doesn't mean that you're a sick person. I mean, it, it doesn't mean that it's a disease or that something's wrong with you. And and when people interpret it as, oh my God, something's wrong, what what do you think is going to happen to your level of anxiety? Yeah, it's not going to help us up. And people don't no. want to talk about it. I was listening to a podcast um, about male um, mental wealth, uh, health, sorry, uh, and just about sharing emotions, you know, as men and, and being able to cry and how that was always pushed down. And, and now they're talking about it saying, no, like, let's do that because um, that's going to cause, obviously, men more anxiety because they can't share their feelings and how they, they are. There definitely are some gender differences. You know, there's some cultural factors that change that. It does depend on the culture. Mm -hmm. um, I think we're seeing sort of decreasing, uh, or uh, yeah, decreased differences, gender differences in the United States anyway, and maybe the rest of the world is following suit. Um, but yeah, you're right. Historically, men are much more likely to get into substance abuse and alcohol abuse because when they feel anxious, they just you know, use or drink. And, uh, I don't have an anxiety problem, right? <laughs> Might have a drink, a drinking problem, but I don't have an anxiety problem. Yeah. So but whatever uh, your vice is, whether happens. it's like you said before, I, I probably find ways to work, um, to, to cover my anxiety, you know, giving myself purpose and things to do. Um, and, and that might be drinking or might be working, whatever that vice is, we're trying yep. to avoid that space of time. We're trying to base, basically just, you know, pass time so that we don't notice the anxiety. I don't know if that's something to do with it, but um, I'm sure it has part to play because sitting there uncomfortably can produce anxiety like, hey, I should be working right now. I'm not pleasing someone. I'm not making someone happy. I, I feel like I'm a letdown. You know, all these feelings can go through your head. Yeah, definitely. The last thing you want to do when you have anxiety is to try to shut it off, to try to squelch it, try to get rid of it. Um, you know, uh, much more adaptive and healthy to just let it happen. When we do that, it actually builds our emotional resilience. It's not comfortable, it's not fun, but it definitely builds our capacity to handle emotionally challenging situations, which is, well, you know, that's a, that's a positive, healthy thing for people to go through. Mm -hmm. Do you think, I mean, is there a higher level of expectation on us because of um, technology and and what's expected of us in society these days than before? Or is it just, is it we're putting this pressure on ourselves unnecessarily? I think there are a number of factors. We do put pressure on ourselves unnecessarily, certainly to produce at a certain level that we previously did not. It used to, we used to be much more accepted to, for people to be mediocre or you know not necessarily excellent in everything that they do. There is more public scrutiny today with uh, social media and with uh, electronic right. modes of communication. That's yeah. certainly a factor. I also think the medical establishment has contributed to this by medicalizing normal mood states. Today, if you have a normal state of feeling stressed or a normal state of feeling anxious, well, if you go to a doctor and you complain about that or even just mention it in passing when asked, you're probably going to end up with a prescription for a medication. And to me, that that sends the wrong message. I don't I don't think that's should be our first level. Not that I have a problem with medications. You know, I'm not anti-pharmacology. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I but, understand what you're but, it, but it, I don't know if that should be our first and sometimes only tool to deal with the emotional landscape of being human. Yeah, is there a link between depression and anxiety there? 
Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Because yeah, depression might sometimes it's... see the same way that um, we're just over medicated now. And a lot of people have, I think, uh, at least 50% of the people I know have some level of depression. I mean, I've, have you ever met somebody who didn't feel sad ever? Yeah. Hmm. They're, they're a rare breed, right? I, I can't yeah. think of too many people who've gotten to that. And same thing with anxiety. Have you, who, who, who do you know in the last two weeks hasn't had any significant anxiety? Hmm. Yeah. Anyone? Yeah. Well, maybe. <laughs> maybe one or two, but yeah, yeah, yeah. how, how many oh, people no, do? Yeah. You know, the, the false positive rate, when we, t- when we take that level, that you know, any anxiety, significant anxiety is a problem at all, hmm. we end up with false positives. We, we yeah. end up diagnosing many more people than actually have a diagnosis. Um, so that to me is a big problem. So what what can we, how can we use our anxiety to, I mean, I don't want to give too much of your book away, but how can we use anxiety as a strength? First, I'm happy to give a book away. Um, as, you know, happy to talk about it. And, uh, you know, I think, um, you know, the more we do, the more people benefit from it. And that's why I wrote yeah. it. Um, so... Number one, (laughs) excuse me, number one is our awareness of ourselves and self-compassion. You know, anxiety calls upon us to be more in tune and also to be more compassionate to ourselves. And we are not built like the devices that we all carry these days, which operate, you know, 24-7 at, uh, you know, incredible speeds and doing these amazing computations. Human beings are more fallible. We have you know, a, a lot of quirks and we have our emotions and, and that's part of the beauty of being human is that we're not these machines that are perfect in our, in our, uh, in our approach to everything, but it does beget, uh, self-compassion and being kinder, being accepting of those struggles that we all have, that every human has. Um, and anxiety teaches us that it should, it, I hope it teaches us that it, it, you know, it, that, there's an opportunity when we have anxiety to say, oh, wow, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm feeling anxious today. I'm not going to take on that extra major project. This is not the time for me to push forward. This is the time for me to, to, to step back and to, you know, um, take things in stride a little bit more. So give that's one way. Space. Yeah. Yeah. Give myself the space. And another way is interpersonally with our relationships to, to converse with other people. You know, you mentioned on the, on, when you were on the plane, one of the things you did to calm yourself down was talking to the person next to you. Mm, yeah. Why did that calm you down? You said it distracted you, but I bet you there's more. Um, yeah, good question. I, I think she realized, you know, um, that I was I was going through a bit of an anxiety attack and being that she had issues in the past with it herself, she realized that talking about it would help. So she would she opened up and started talking to me and having conversations. And, yes, I, I, I boil it down to a distraction um, of my attention, not focused on the stresses in my life. Um, maybe there's more there. I'm not sure, but maybe it's, um, yeah, I don't know the answer. Um, well, let me ask you a question. Do you, rem- do you remember her? Do you remember her name? No, I don't actually. Julie. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so you think you do. Okay. You remember what she looked like? You have a vivid, did the conversation stick out in your mind? Yeah. 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 She was quite informative. Actually, we were flying into Sydney and she was telling me about the Eric. She lived down there. She had her, um, her son next to her as well on the plane so i remember what she you know middle-aged sort of 55 maybe 60 lady i've uh, just been to a holiday up where i lived so yeah would you say you remember that conversation more than you remember other conversations on that trip probably why my attention 
Well, uh, yeah, definitely. You're yeah. speaking about you're speaking about your emotions. That's mm. going to focus your attention on the person. Mm. And it turns out that if you look at uh, clinical science on relationships, one of the best ways to connect to somebody, this greatly enhances our connection, our emotional connection with others, is if you speak about real emotions that are on your mind. Right. If you talk about how, if you're feeling sad and you, so to speak, cry on someone's shoulder, you're feeling anxious, you're feeling stressed out, you talk to someone about it, you, um, you're feeling uh, upset about something, you're angry at somebody and you, you have a conversation say, what should I do about this? The relationship with that person who you speak to becomes more intense. It becomes mm -hmm. more emotionally real. And one of the reasons we feel so lonely today is that people usually don't have these conversations. Yeah. We shy away from real, real conversations with people about what we actually are feeling. Yeah. Well, they're hard conversations to, for people to have, right? They are. They're mm. very hard because we're taking a risk. You know, yeah. you're telling this complete stranger that you're feeling anxious. That what if she judges you? What if she thinks you're crazy? What if yeah. she calls the air, yeah, the, 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 the air hostess and says, oh, air host and says, this person's having a panic attack. It was quite interesting, actually, because I do remember sitting there going, geez, I'm having a, this bloody anxiety attack. Didn't really know what, what was going on, but I thought, I've got no options. I'm on a plane right now. I might as well just chat to this lady. And I said hello, and then I told her. I just said, I'm having an anxiety attack. And I, and I think I can remember looking at her and her looking at me going, wow, I don't even know this guy, and he just told me that, you know? Um, Good for you I, you did I, that. I was fine with it, but I think it's, um, yeah, that's interesting. Hmm. Good for you. And it, that was a great skill. And you actually made a connection with this person. Hmm. Yeah. In some way. I think, um, I mean, there's a, there's a fear, isn't there, of people opening up emotionally like that in conversations. But Usually it goes better than we think. You know, usually when you take that risk and you say, hey, I'm really having a hard time right now, it just evokes other people's compassion. Unless they're yeah. a real jerk, you know, if someone's like a just not nice. But then it's good to know, like, okay, I'm never opening up to that person again. Um, but uh, but there might be other people. And finding those people and cultivating those relationships through self-disclosure mm. is a great strategy to increase our emotional connection with others. Yeah. So you're saying through this strategy of opening up uh, emotionally at that level with someone, um, whether it's a stranger or someone you can trust, um, that helps then us create more self-awareness around that anxiety so we can then better manage it. Yep. And it also helps us to be more connected to that person. Um, especially if we tell them what we need, you know, I was just doing, um, uh, I had a session with a couple yesterday and, um, um, the, the man in this case is very anxious and very depressed and his wife, um, really doesn't know what to do. Hmm. Um, she wants to help him, but his approach in, instead of telling her, he just shies away. Look, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. And like, no, everything is not fine. She knows everything is not fine. I know everything is not fine. You know everything is not fine. Why aren't you saying what you need? And the answer is it's hard for him to do that. But when he did in the session, she was able to respond and she wanted to respond. She was very happy to tend to him emotionally and to connect with him. Um, and once they did, his anxiety actually came down, interestingly. Yeah. Um, that was a way of thriving with anxiety, so to speak, by using it to facilitate connection. But it's it is hard. It's not it's not an easy it's not an easy strategy to implement. It's also hard for the recipient, right? So if you have anxiety and you come up to someone and say, "Hey, I'm feeling this and this is what I need because I'm suffering with anxiety," 
some people will struggle to understand how to, to handle that and they'll probably just retreat and go, oh, geez, I don't know what to do here, right? And is that because they're struggling to talk emotionally about it or is it just that they're that type of people that can't respond to it, can't deal with it? Great questions. You know, when, when that happens, the person is really at a crossroads. Do they take the time to learn what to say and what to do and what not to say and what not to do? Um, or do they just shy away from the relationship? And if they choose the latter option, it's it's too bad. It does not create connection. Um, but if they choose the former, usually they become not only better to handle that person's anxiety, but other people as well. Yeah, wrong. Like I've seen this in, parent, in parents with kids. So let's say you have one spouse who has more specific anxiety or depression than the other. And the other one is like super high functioning and doesn't really relate to that spouse when they feel anxious or depressed. Often that spouse who can't relate to their depressed or anxious partner will have trouble relating to their kids. Yeah, yeah. Well, so by working on the relationship with their, and anyway, that's true. And anyone else, Mm. they they actually usually are not the nicest people at work. They're usually not the greatest boss. If they're a boss, they're not the person to work for. If they're a coworker, they're not the greatest colleague. Um, And if they take the time to actually learn how to nurture, learn how to be there and support somebody else who has anxiety, it can soften them and turn them into sort of, I would even say better people, so to speak. Maybe that's a little taking a little far, but, but truly they can become more soft and, uh, that can be an amazing, uh, amazing blessing. You think it's just a blockage there for those people in particular, uh, that, you know, they, they struggle to let their feelings out because they're struggling in some way. Is it a, yes, almost that? always, yeah. almost always those people are having some sort of anxiety, some sort of sadness, and they don't want to talk about it because it's too painful. Almost right. always. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Um, okay, well, there's some great tools around the awareness piece and self-compassion. Are there tools that you use for that, like meditation or positive self-talk? Um, you know, what what do we do? So you cut out there for a little bit. Yeah. Can you try that question again? It's cutting out a little bit. So just around awareness and self-compassion, do you have tools that you recommend like meditation or um, things of that nature to help? create greater self-awareness. We are having internet issues here, I can see. Yeah, we're gonna, tr- we're gonna trudge through it. Um, one I of the things try. for self building self-compassion, you know, meditation could help. Another thing um, is simply being kind to oneself, making sure that you're getting enough sleep, making sure that you're ha- having breakfast every day, making sure that you're having enough social activity because you need it, making sure that, uh, you know, your exercise is a part of your diet, taking the time away from work in order to exercise, in order to sleep, not pushing yourself too hard. You know, those behavioral consistently, behave, you know, consistent behaviors that we do for ourselves can breed a lot of self-compassion mm. um, in addition to uh, methods that you mentioned. And that, that I guess, leads to, um, you know, this feeling of selfishness where you then go, okay, well, if I need to bring in, in time for myself, in time for meditation, in time for eating well, in time for exercise and socializing then i neglect to give attention to the other people in my family or in my life or my work and therefore somehow i feel selfish right yeah a lot of people feel that way and that's the root of a lot of people's anxiety in fact 
yeah. is holding ourselves to an unrealistic standard as opposed to recognizing, well, we might need seven to nine hours of sleep a night. We might need to exercise 150 mm. minutes per week or more. Yeah. We might need to stop and have meals and to not work 80 hours a week, but you know, something more in a reasonable range. And you know, all of this is part and parcel of what anxiety sh is calling upon us to do. Um, and if we heed that voice, we can have much more fulfilling, connected, and um, happy lives. Yeah, 100%. So um, what what is another tool? I mean, we've talked about a couple here. Just one more before we wrap things up today, David, um, that you'd like to share from your book. Sure. Um, so I'll say it like this. You know, um, in order to uh, work out at – in order to build your muscles at a gym, you have to have that burn, right? You have to have that – that, that physical pain. And in order to build emotional resilience, well, emotional pain can actually be part and parcel of that process. When people go through anxiety, they often think like, this is so stupid. I shouldn't have to go through this. I just have to want to stop it. As opposed to like, yeah, this is my opportunity to build my emotional strength and my resilience. So the next time it's not going to be as intense. The next time I'm going to be able to withstand an even higher level of this and my emotional capacity would increase over time. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a tool called exposure therapy where people face their fears head on yeah. in order to overcome their anxiety. It's a very um, famous uh, way of doing this, very well-researched tool. And uh, one of the messages of exposure therapy is that by experiencing anxiety, we actually strengthen our neural systems. We strengthen our physiology and we strengthen our fortitude to be able to face not only what we're afraid of, but really any stressor in life. So it's an amazing thing. <clears throat> so just face it. Face if it, we on. face it, when yeah. we build ourselves up to facing it over time, yeah. Yeah. we are building our resilience. And I mean, who doesn't want to be more resilient in this day and age? Yeah, yeah. And the opposite, I suppose, of not facing your anxiety and letting it strengthen you um, by working through it as opposed to fighting it, um, I guess it just builds up to a point where it, it might collapse someone. Entirely. It often does. Mm. It often does. And that's exactly what we're doing and what we're training people to do in this age. Right. Yeah. You know, a lot of the messages are feel less anxious, have a non-anxious life. You know, these are, I don't think they're helpful messages. I think they actually make the anxiety epidemic substantially worse. Right. It makes a lot of sense what you're saying. I, I get it. Um, it's the same with that fear. It's always there, but we have to learn, you know, what's real, what's a real threat and what's not, and then how to work towards that. You know, obviously it's a, a fundamental feeling that comes through us to to help us with our survival, but most things aren't. Uh, going to threaten our lives um, like we might think they will. 100%. So it's um, pretty powerful, mate. Your book is available on Amazon, um, evening in Boston for you at the moment. So uh, yeah, ready to see it's it. uh, also on Audible for uh, those who like audiobooks. And um, and there's a free giveaway on my website. My marketing team put together a 12-page free guide. So I, if you like, I can send you, and you can put it in the show notes, um, a page on my website where uh, people can uh, get a sample of the book for free and uh, check out um, some of the tools um, and start using them today. That's cool. Yeah, just press the link there. So the website, guys, is Dr. Rossmarin. That's right, isn't it? D-H-R-O-S-M-A-R-I-N.com forward slash the book. And you can um, click the link there for the free 12-page guide at the website. I'll stick the link in the show notes there, David. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks Absolutely. so much. Thanks for coming on. 
Hey, thanks for having me. Have a great day. You too. Check it out, guys, at hiddenwhite.com. Until next time, thanks, passion, for passion. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels, using the icons on the platform that you're listening to The Hidden Why podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwide.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwide.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcast. You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose and in doing so you will discover your hidden why this is the hidden why my name is Lee Manutzi until next time peace passion and purpose see you soon